0: Amen. Well, all I can tell you is uh, you had to be there. The video it doesn't quite do justice; it just never does. But it, it was so special what God did in uh, in our youth and is continuing to do. And um, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter one because I want to kind of answer the question this morning of well, you know, what happened exactly to these youth? How how did we send um uh, you know, maybe some of you sent a child to camp one way, and they came back another way, and you go, Well, how did that happen? And I, I want to read to you uh, out of Acts chapter one, and I want to also begin by telling you a little bit about from my perspective kind of how this has happened and how I believe it's going to continue to happen. You know, at the beginning of the year, during our 21-day fast, we started praying, we, as we do every year, we pray and fast about the direction of the church and what God has for us. And I fully expect in those, in those days for God to speak about what is po- important for that year. And there were several things, but the number one thing that stuck out to me was that the, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me at the beginning of the year that this was the year uh, for our youth to be baptized in the Holy Spirit at, at youth camp. And so we started praying, me and Brandon talked about it, and uh, he was on the same page, and, and we started praying and, and, and uh, fasting and praying for that all year. And throughout the six months leading up to camp, there would be you know, more things that the Lord was showing me about it. And we just began to prepare for that. And then a few weeks ago, uh, Brother Greg Fritz was at, as, came to speak at our church. Now, for those of you who don't know, Greg Fritz was preaching at the youth camp where I was saved and gave my life to Jesus Christ and was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 15 years old and God's kept us together all these years and who knew 25 years later he'd be preaching at One Life you know in in a church that we planted and just that whole process was amazing but so a few weeks before camp he was at One Life ministering and after church we were driving around I think maybe I was taking him to the airport or something and he was telling me he said you know, I just, I just wrote a book on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and explaining it to a new generation that, you know, maybe hasn't, doesn't know all the terms and maybe wasn't raised in that kind of church and whatnot. We started talking about his book, and, which I hadn't heard of. I didn't even know he had written. And as he was talking, I, I knew that he was supposed to come to camp. And so I just told him right there, I said, man, would you be willing to come to youth camp and, and pray over these kids and teach some of this that's in your book and, and just pray over the kids? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And that was only a few weeks before camp. So we got him scheduled and we got to camp. And, you know, God used him to, to, to minister over these youth and God just did some phenomenal things in their life. And I want to read to you in the book of Acts chapter 1, what the Bible says about this now I understand this topic when it comes to Holy Spirit comes to the gifts of the Spirit comes to speaking in tongues things like that unfortunately the body of Christ is divided over these things so what we gotta do is we've got to set aside what we think we know and just let the Word of God speak amen that that trumps everything right the Word of God trumps The Word of God trumps what you think you know or what you think you've been taught or even what you've experienced. The Word of God trumps all of that. So we're just gonna look at what the Word of God says this morning. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Luke wrote the book of Acts and of course the Gospel of Luke and he says in the first book O Theophilus, so he's talking about his Gospel of Luke. So this is now his second book that he's writing. He tells Theophilus in the first book I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during forty days and speaking out uh, speaking about the kingdom of God so he's talking about this time frame where Jesus was resurrected and then he ascended to heaven to be at the right the right right hand of God on the throne so there was a forty day period between the resurrection and before his ascension where he walked in his new body on the earth and he would appear here and he would appear there and he would show up there but he was in his supernatural body and he he taught them and he prayed for them he was with them during those forty days and that's what luke is talking about in verse three when he says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them forty days during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of god verse four And while staying with them, he ordered them. Everybody say, ordered. And that's different than a suggestion, right? He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, a lot of people have not made the connection of what's going on here okay if you read in Matthew 28 you get the Great Commission the Great Commission was go into all the world making disciples of every nation baptizing them in the name of the Father so we read it for offering this morning right making disciples uh, to the ends of the earth and beyond and and we still read the Great Commission today in 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 churches all across it doesn't matter the denomination we read the Great Commission well that Great Commission was given during that forty day period that Jesus was on the, was on the earth he gave them that commission but then he ordered them to wait why because they didn't have everything that they needed to fulfill the Great Commission you're gonna see that in just a second they actually did not have all of the tools that they needed to successfully fulfill the Great Commission what were they missing the baptism in the Holy Spirit and he said wait he ordered them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said to you. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And they start asking him some other question. And in verse 8, he said, I don't want to talk about that. This is what I'm trying to talk about is the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria into the end of the earth. In other words, you'll be able to fulfill the Great Commission. What, when? When you receive power to be my witnesses. See, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is forever connected with power. And if you're honest, there's a lot of Christians in, in the world today that feel like they don't have any power. They feel, and, and look, if you look at the world right now, and you look at what is happening in our nation and what's happening in our world and the darkness and the deception that is, that is taking place on, on this earth, let me tell you something. We're not going to be able to combat that and overcome that with a weak, powerless church. And let me tell you that God's given us everything that we need to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth and the, and the power that we need to overcome the darkness, just like the apostles had see they received the Great Commission but he said you need power to do it you need power to do it you you don't you can't just go out and do this in your own strength you've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit and so he told them to wait until you receive that Acts chapter 2 let's skip ahead so they did 120 went into the upper room Acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of Pentecost arrived now they didn't know it was gonna happen on the day of Pentecost it just happened to be the day of Pentecost when this happened and that is significant for a lot of other reasons but when the day of Pentecost arrived they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting see this doesn't look anything like a lot of our church services today And that's really what this was. It was a church service. It was a prayer meeting where people were gathered and they were praying. But if anything happened like that today in our church service, half the people would be like, Oh, I don't know what that is. That ain't God. That church is weird. There's there's something more than just, you know, sitting, singing, and preaching happening. So we think, well, that's out of the ordinary. Well, when the Holy Spirit showed up, the very first thing that happened, it said there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting it was a manifestation of the presence of God. Now it bugs me to no end, I have to admit, and I'm going to try to stay real calm and nice this morning. But it it bugs me to no end when people read about the power of God in the book of Acts and somehow think that the church today is supposed to be operating in less than that. because. As, but then but then at the same time, we read the Great Commission and we go, well, we have the same call and mission that they had. In other words, we still got to go into all the world. We still got to preach. We got to deliver the sick. We got to baptize. We got to do all the same things they were called to do. But we're supposed to do it without any power that they had. That, does that make any sense to you? And I can't stand when people, they do that. And, it, and it's not based on Scripture. Because, see, when, when people start experiencing things are are, are a lack of experiencing things, they start making up doctrines of why it is. Like, for example, if they prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed, they say, Oh, well, healing's not for today. Or they prayed for somebody to get baptized in the Spirit and they didn't, and they go, Well, baptism of the Holy Spirit's not for today. Do you know that we should not build doctrine on anybody's experience? Either way, lack of or, or having. We don't need to build doctrine on that. We got to build it on the Word of God. But just because you don't experience something, that you prayed for or that you got you don't get to just go make up doctrines no what you do is you start figuring out you start praying you start asking God uh, your word says we can have this how come we're not is it me do we need to repent? do we need to change do we need to fast and pray what is it why aren't we experiencing the power that the the Word of God says we can have Um. So when you read this experience don't think oh yeah that was the book of acts oh that was the apostles let me just tell you something when when the day of P- you're going to see this from the word of god as we keep reading when the when the day of Pentecost came and the holy spirit was poured out that began a certain age in the church that doesn't end until Jesus comes back it was prophesied by the prophet Joel we're about to read it cuz peter quoted it it doesn't end until Jesus Came back, no, it did not pass away with the apostles. That's not in scripture. Matter of fact, you're going to see the opposite of that. Uh, even when you read the Great Commission, he says, un, he says you go and you preach this and you make disciples to the ends of the earth. Guess what? The apostles didn't make it to the ends of the earth. We're still doing that. We're still spreading that. And guess what? If we're doing, we need to, we need the same Holy Spirit and the same power that they had in order to do it. And especially as you look around today at what's happening in our world, the only thing that's going to combat that is the power of the Holy Spirit, is a powerful church, not a weak, powerless, lukewarm church trying to do things by the arm of the flesh. We've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God's asking us to do in this generation. So they're there on the day of Pentecost, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. That means they heard it. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. This was a very physical event, something that every person in the room experienced. How many of you at camp can testify to moments like that, where we were worshiping? We were, no, it wasn't maybe a sound that we heard with our ear, but there was something everybody felt when it came in the room. And that's what they're experiencing on a greater level, even. They're there, and it's a sound that came in, and everybody felt it. Everybody experienced it. And then look at this, verse 3. Next manifestation. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. This is, this is odd, right? They're there, and all of a sudden they see tongues. They see a flame of fire that looks like a tongue. That begins to sit over the top of each person's head. Now, it could have been a lot of things. It could have been a flame that looked like a cross. It could have been a flame that looked like a crown of thorns. It could have been a a flame that looked like a tomb. It could have been a flame that looked like the face of God. It could have been a a lot of things. But what sat over the top of them was a flame that looked like a tongue. Is Is that interesting to you? Because he's trying to communicate something about what's about to happen in their life. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let me just tell you this about speaking in tongues. Okay, We're not going to spend a huge amount of time on this because we could really get bogged down. I, I could preach five sermons in a row on just speaking in tongues but here's what you need to understand Uh, the main purpose of the Holy Spirit okay and and all of the benefits that come along with being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit is not just speaking in tongues And, and sometimes people that don't understand that they think well it's all about speaking in tongues not really it's about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and getting power number one okay speaking in tongues is just a tool that is still available to the church it is a tool that we use as all the gifts of the Spirit are it's a it's a tool that we use but let me just clear up one thing for you And if you have questions about this talk to me after because I don't have enough time to get into it completely but let me just clear up one thing okay speaking in tongues is not speaking in foreign languages let me make sure you understand that, okay? and I'm going to show you that from the Word of God. It actually does not say that they spoke in foreign languages, and this is what a lot of people have heard. This is what a lot of people were taught, is that when they spoke in tongues, that they spoke in foreign languages. Well, that's just not what the Bible says, and we're going to read it for ourselves. Verse 5, now... There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. It pay attention, it doesn't say they were speaking in his own language. It says that they were hearing them speak in their own language. It's what they were hearing. Verse 7, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language I'm hearing in my native language you're hearing in your native language you might be speaking Greek you might be you might know Egyptian you might know Arabic but no matter which one of us listens to him speak we're hearing in our own language Well, what is he speaking all all of those languages no he's speaking in tongues but what they're hearing is a divine interpretation of, of that tongue which is talked about in 1 Corinthians 14 it's called the gift of tongues and interpretation the Bible is very clear about this gift of the Spirit when somebody speaks in tongue which is an unknown language that only God understands the whole thing is described in 1 Corinthians 14 when a person speaks in tongues in that unknown language which Paul says no man understands okay no man understands except God he says that sometimes God can give the person an interpretation of what was said. That's what's happening on the book of Acts. These people are speaking in tongues. They're not speaking in foreign languages. But everyone that hears is supernaturally getting the divine interpretation. See, that's just like if I, if I stood up here and I started shouting in Spanish. Which, by the way, if there were 120 people in the upper room and every one of them was just shouting ecstatically a different foreign language do you think any one person could understand what on earth they were saying of course not the miracle if i stood up here and started shouting in spanish okay only those who understood spanish would understand me but if you only spoke english you wouldn't have a clue what i was saying all right and so what's happening here is they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in this divine heavenly language that the Bible calls tongues and then the Holy Spirit is giving those who are standing there the interpretation in their own language and that was a sign and a wonder now also please understand that this didn't happen because there's no other way they could have heard the gospel this is this is another big one that is always talked about well God had to have them speak in foreign languages uh, because it was a miracle they had to speak in their own language so that they could hear the gospel that's not true because Peter gets up and preaches a whole sermon to all three thousand of them in Greek and every one of them understood him right after this in the same chapter he didn't get up there and speak in uh, you know 15 different languages so that they could understand he didn't get up there and, and pray in tongues and God mat- miraculously give them the interpretation as soon as this is over happening Peter stands up and he preaches we know that he preaches in Greek and everyone there understood it because it was a common language and then 3000 give their life to the Lord so let's keep reading it at this sound the multitude came together they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all these who speak Galileans how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language and that would have been the shock is I'm sitting here going oh my goodness he's speaking in French and the guy next to me would have said no he's not he's speaking in Spanish and the guy next to him would have said no he's not he's speaking in Arabic we're all hearing our own unique language and that was the miracle of it are not all these Galileans how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, language? And then he begins to name them all, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and Mesopotamia, and all these different places. Verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Now, in, when a move of God begins to happen in a person's life, and when the Holy Spirit is poured out, from the very beginning there was always confusion surrounded it and there was always a group of people that were mocking it and there are always a group of people that didn't understand it and criticized it and, it and nothing's changed today as soon as the Holy Spirit is poured out there were those there that said what is going on are the and, and so they come up with a natural explanation and they say are these people drunk I think these people have been drinking and they're saying that because they're they're coming up with a natural Uh, explanation and a natural reason of, of how to explain what is what is happening because there's no denying that something's changed about them right there's no denying that something's going on because we've never seen people act like this and we've never seen grown men and women you know coming out acting like this except the only other time we saw it is at the bar you know when they've been drinking and so that's their explanation but the same thing happens today maybe you have an explanation of why you know these youth went to with the youth camp and came back baptized in the Holy Spirit and and how they went in one way and came out another and you don't have an explanation for it listen let me let me caution you about coming up with your own human natural reasons and understandings for why they're experiencing what they're experiencing Um, I'm gonna tell you that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and I'm looking for that to continue like it did the apostles I'm looking for that to continue producing fruit lasting fruit in their life I'm expecting many of them to be used by God in the in the kingdom of God in their families in their schools in their relationships. I'm looking for them to have a boldness that they didn't have before I'm looking for them to have power that they didn't have before I'm looking for them to have a prayer life that they didn't have before because of what God did in their life. Now, last Sunday, you know, we had an amazing service. Uh, we had testimonies from the youth. We had we ended up having 26 kids baptized last Sunday. It was supposed to be 19, but then we had seven on the spot that decided they wanted to be baptized too. So we did twenty-six. Uh, that's out of the ordinary. How many of y'all been coming to one life for a while? We ain't never baptized 26 people on on a Sunday. That's never happened before in the history of one life. Okay? But when the Holy Spirit gets involved, that's like Peter. I I doubt he ever saw 3,000 people saved in one day. But when the power of the Holy Spirit gets involved, it can supercharge and exponentially advance what God is doing. That's why we need the power of God today. But last Sunday... um, we, we had service, amazing service. Everybody was tired. We just got back from camp. We'd been at camp all week. The adults were tired. The kids were tired. Everybody was tired. Somebody asked, well, uh, Sunday afternoon, can we go up to the church and pray? Teenagers said, hey, can we go up to the church and pray tonight? And before we knew it, there was a few texts going out. We came up Sunday night after church was over. Six o'clock, we came up Sunday night. There were 28 youth that showed up and probably about another 20 adults that showed up <laughs> to pray right here in the worship center. Then, Wednesday night, we're not, we weren't supposed to have a prayer night Wednesday night. <laughs> we, weren't supposed have, we weren't supposed to have a prayer night until this Wednesday night. Some of the youth started talking. Hey, can we go up Wednesday night and pray? Sure. <laughs> Let's go up to the church. We came up Wednesday night, and we prayed. And some of you were here, and God moved. What an amazing... For over an hour and a half, we were up here praying and worshiping and praying for each other and sharing testimonies and just letting God move and work. So again, I want to I encourage you, don't come up with your own explanation for why this is happening. All you, what you need to do, what we all need to do, is humble ourselves and say, God... I may not understand everything, I may not know everything, but I can see that you are working. And there's always these groups, always, and you got to be so careful about what group you fall into. Because in the life of Jesus, you got Jesus, the Son of God, on the earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, communicating the heart, heart of God, and you had whole groups of people that all they did was criticize it the whole time. And then you got a whole other group of people that go, I don't understand this, but I got faith. I believe it. God's working, and they received from what Jesus was doing. And then you got a whole other group that it was the they were the Pharisees. They were the religious people. They were those that knew the word inside and out. So they thought, but they didn't have God's heart. And so they pointed at it and they criticized it. They even said, they even said to Jesus, they said, He does this by the power of demons. And they couldn't have been more wrong. They couldn't have been more wrong. Then in the, in the book of Acts, they're now attacking the apostles. And they're going, they're doing this, all of this, you know, and, and it's not of God. It's not of God. And one of the wise Pharisees, Gamaliel, stood up and he said, let me caution you guys. You need to be careful unless you find yourself fighting against God. He said, "You need to be careful." He said, "If this is not of God, don't worry about it. It'll it'll wash out. It'll go away. I've seen it come. I've seen all kinds of things come and go." But you said, you, "He said you got to be real careful because if you if you're not in tune with it, you'll find yourself actually fighting against God on this issue." Then on the on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gets poured out. There's still that group there going, "What in the world is this? These people are nuts. What are they drunk?" And they're criticizing. And this is what I want you to understand: you will you will find yourself. In one of two groups, and, and not, this is not just about the, I'm just talking about in the kingdom in general. You'll find yourself in one of two groups of going, I don't know what this is, and you'll be a critic. Or you'll humble yourself, and you'll be hungry for God. And you'll go, I don't know what that is, I don't know what they got, but I'm open to whatever God is wanting to do. I'm open to however God is wanting to work and move in my life. and if, And if there's more of God that I might not be aware of, I want it. If God has more for me than what I got right now, I want it and 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 listen, I want you to understand this too because some people think, well, you know I already have the holy spirit i don't I don't need any more of the holy spirit well i'm I'm glad you brought that up. Turn with me to acts chapter four. I want to read something to you because in Acts chapter four uh a person gets healed and and then all the religious leaders are upset, and they bring in Peter and John and they're they're threatening them and they're, they're threatening to punish them and put them in prison and they, they, you know, punish them in all kinds of ways. And then skip down to verse 23. So after they were released, they went to their own people. This is Peter and John. After they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they all raised their voices to God. This is the 120. This is the ones that have been saved. This is the little Christian group that is like a family, and they're all supporting each other, and they're helping each other. And they, they came to one another, and they said, they're threatening us that if we keep preaching in the name of Jesus, that they're going to put us in prison. They're going to beat us. They're, we're facing all of this opposition. So what did they do? They came together, and they said, let's pray. Let's, let's ask God to move. Let's ask God to do something. So verse 24, when they heard this, they all raised their voices to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of your father David, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot, feudal things? And the kings of the earth uh, took their stand, and the rulers assembled together against the Messiah and against his Lord. And, they, and he kind of you know, they keep praying. But look at verse 29. And now, Lord... Consider the threats and grant that your your servants may speak your message with boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing. Signs and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak God's message and boldness. Now, isn't that interesting because I thought just two chapters before, in Acts chapter 2, that they were already all filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we just read it, they had a powerful outpouring and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Why, in in chapter 4, does it say when they had prayed, the place where they assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again? Why did they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again? And and this is what you got to understand about about the scripture and as you read about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit what you're going to see through the book of Acts and even through the epistles as Paul writes about this that people are filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again not that they're receiving the Holy Spirit over and over again they already had the baptism of the Holy Spirit but in this moment However, you want to explain that they were they were feeling down, they were scared, they were discouraged and they needed to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit again and they prayed and God showed up and they all left that place filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5. When he's talking to them about being filled with the Spirit, he says, "Look. He says, "You don't need to be drunk with wine. He compares being filled with the Holy Spirit with being intoxicated. And he says, you don't need to be drunk with wine. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Why would he compare those two things? Because uh, alcohol can become a a crutch that people lean on to bring joy, peace, satisfaction, comfort. It can be something that a person leans on for that. And so he warned them. He said, don't lean on that for that. When you're feeling that way, you need to turn to the Holy Spirit and be filled with with the Holy Spirit why because it'll accomplish all those things and it'll last and you'll feel a lot better when you come out being that way but it's not just alcohol you know it, it, and and actually the scripture um, is not like anti alcohol just completely as as some people think it's not that what he's saying is that there is something uh... you can use anything as a crutch to depend on it and turn to it and lean on it it, it could be netflix it could be shopping it could be gambling. It could be eating. It could be a lot of things that you turn to for those comfort. But he said, don't, don't turn to those things. You've got to turn to God and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's something that if, if a person says, oh, well, I already received the Holy Spirit, fine. Be filled again. Be filled over and over again. I encourage you to come every service and lift your hands to God and say, Lord, fill me with the Spirit this morning. Fill me with your presence this morning. Fill me with your uh, anointing this morning because this, this world and I don't understand all the science of it and how it works, you know, but this world has a way of sucking it out of you, and and we got to come and get filled, filled again. And, and maybe it's just maybe maybe the right way to say it is we're just yielding to it more. I, I don't know. But the point is, is we all know when we come and we leave church, we leave feeling filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's something that, that has to happen over and over again so everybody's confused the Holy Spirit gets poured out going back to Acts chapter 2 everybody's confused they don't know are these guys are these guys drunk what's going on because what they can physically see they can see with their own eyes the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their lives how many of you can physically see it with our, with our youth when they came last Sunday? You, you don't have to, you'd have to be blind to not see that God, somebody, God did something in their life. You can physically see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times people think, oh, well, you know, what God does, it's all just internal. You know, it's all just spiritual. Yeah, but there's outward manifestation in a person's life when they're changed, born again, and filled with the Spirit. To the point <coughs> that if you read in Acts chapter 8, there was a magician named Simon who tried to purchase with money the power to be able to lay his hands on people and get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Why on earth would he do that? Because he could see whenever the apostles laid hands on them, there was a transformation that took place in those people's lives. And he said, I, I, look, I'll buy it with money. He said, look, can, can, can I buy this ability to lay hands and, and fill people with the Holy Spirit? He wouldn't have been trying to offer that. He wouldn't have been trying to offer to buy that with money if when they laid hands on them nothing happened. He would have been trying to buy that if they just said a little simple prayer and nothing, and they just closed their eyes and they walked off unchanged. No, he, he wanted the power because there was a manifestation in their life. These people were crying. They were praying in tongues. They were filled with the Spirit. It overwhelmed them. He said, I, I'll, I'll buy that if I can. And of course, he got rebuked and that had happened. But Acts chapter 2, verse 14, uh, Peter begins to try to explain what is going on. So he says, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So he said, what's happening today was prophesied a long time ago by the prophet Joel. This is what he prophesied in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Are we in the last days? Well, if the apostles were in the last days, we're definitely in the last days. And by the way, this prophecy that he references in, in the book of Joel hasn't all been fulfilled yet. It hasn't been completely fulfilled yet. This, this was just the beginning. What, what the apostles experienced was just the beginning. But go read the whole prophecy. It ends with the blood the moon being turned to blood and the Sun being blackened and this whole thing wrapping up so what Joel was prophesying about the last days is a period of time from when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the book of Acts all the way until the end when Jesus returns so he said in the last days it will be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall what prophesy what is that that's a manifestation in other words, when the Holy Spirit comes on them, they will begin to prophesy, speak in a certain way. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. That's how you can know whether you're young or old. If you're young, you're seeing visions. If you're old, you're dreaming dreams. If, if you think you're young, but you're dreaming dreams, you, sorry, you're old. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. In other words, no one will be left out. You could be rich, you could be poor, you could be any ethnicity, it doesn't matter, upon all flesh, upon poor, rich. He said the Holy Spirit will be poured out. And verse 19, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, fire vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the, Lord, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to fa- pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that they experience in the book of Acts is going to continue all the way until this whole prophecy is fulfilled. It's not they're they're connected you can't separate the prophecy and be like oh well that first part was talking about the the day of pentecost but the second part was talking about the end no 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 the correct understanding in scripture is that when the holy spirit was poured out on the day of pentecost that began that be, actually that's what pentecost means that's what pentecost is is the beginning of harvest that's what the celebration was it was the beginning of harvest you know what the next you know what the next feast is in the, in the Hebrew feast it's the feast of trumpets and the feast of trumpets we all know the seven trumpets that sound at the end when the harvest is wrapped up so this is a this is a season when the holy spirit was poured out and it's going to last all the way until Jesus comes back until the sun is turned to darkness the moon to blood and a great and magnificent day of the lord happens now if this is correct, we've got a lot to wrestle with, some of us because if God says that there's a there's there's the gift of the Holy Spirit that we need in our lives, um, how many of you say if God says it's for me I want it right I mean there's no there's no amount if God's told me that something is available to me that is going to improve and enhance my relationship with him and my effectiveness in this world I want it now anybody that wants can sit on the sidelines and go oh that's not for today or that's not for me or oh it's not for everybody you can come up with all of these things that are not biblical you just make up with your mind or you can say God if there is more I want that I want that in my life I want it in my children's life I want it I want it in my family. I want what you have. Now, Acts chapter 2 verse 38. This is going to answer another question, which is well, who is this for? You know, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, all of this stuff that they were seeing, you know, who is this for? Well, he tells us here again in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. We're reading a lot of scripture this morning because there's a lot of confusion over this. But Acts chapter 2:38 And Peter said to them, because they asked, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. So this phrase right here that Peter said could never be reconciled with the idea that the Holy Spirit is was for a specific group of people, uh, the apostles, or oh those gifts were just for the apostles. You you can never reconcile that statement with what Peter said right here, because Peter says he's talking about the the he said you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he said this promise is for you. It's for your children and it's for all who are far off in other words every one whom the Lord God calls to himself in other words every person that is that is called to God and called to salvation from here forward all those who are far off this promise is for them it's for every person so all a person has to do is be hungry for it now in the book of Acts You you see the the pinnacle of a move of God, and then we want everything to be like that, right? I mean, how many of you would love to live in a day and age where uh, when you came to church and I walked past you and my shadow touched you, that you got healed miraculously by the power of God. Sorry that that hasn't happened. I apologize. I need to be more spiritual. I'm not sure what it is. But my shadows never healed anybody, okay? But in the book of Acts, the move of God was so powerful that Peter would be walking. Look, my shadow's touching some of y'all's feet right now. His shadow would touch somebody sitting on the sidewalk and miraculously they, they were healed. Boy, wouldn't it be amazing if when I got up and preached and I said a few words and it didn't have to be the greatest sermon ever, 3,000 people flooded those doors and just repented and gave their life to God. Wouldn't it be, easy, wouldn't it be amazing if during worship, we were worshiping and all of a sudden a great sound and a mighty wind flooded this place and we saw flames of fire sit on everybody's head and we were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what we're seeing in the book of Acts is the pinnacle of, of, of the power and the move of God and don't mistake it we're gonna see it again at the end we're gonna see a move of God just like that before Jesus returns but that's not exactly how the church is operating right now and all of it's still available But that's why I told you the story at the beginning of how they got it. It wasn't just as simple as me. I didn't just walk up to one of these carnal, lukewarm youth and put my hand on them and say, Now be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they just miraculously started praying and just their whole life changed. Oh, I wish it was that easy. (laughs) And all I'm saying is there are a lot of things, including healing the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, there are a lot of things that are available. But if you think it's going to be just like the book of Acts, where you just, oh, there ain't nothing to it. I just just walk up and it just happens. No, there might be a little more work to it than that. But it's still available. It's still available. And if this youth can't prove anything to me, it proved to me, it proved to me that God is still wanting to work and move in these ways. But I know what it took because we've been praying since January. And you know what else we did? We gave Greg's book to all of these youth, and they started reading that book and meditating on it and feeding their faith and filling their spirit with that. And and so a lot of them, when they got there, they were already hungry for that. They were pursuing that. They wanted that move of God in their life, and as they pursued it, they got it. But you know what? That's biblical too. The Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open." So they sought it. And the Bible says that you know when you when you God said when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. So no, it might not be happening just like it's happening in the Book of Acts because there are there are reasons for that too that we could that we could talk about. You know we live we live in a day and age where the church and a lot not necessarily this church but I mean the church at large is very lukewarm, very apathetic needs to repent to God. Needs to be hungry for God. Needs to seek after God. And we need revival in the church. We, we need a miraculous move of God. A, a, a revival of the Spirit of God in our churches and in our nation. But what I have found is, no, it might not be just like it's in the book of Acts. Um, and, and that's not because it can't be. But we live in different dispensations. Even in the Bible, you will see what happened in the book of Acts did not continue that that at that exact same level. As Paul is writing the epistles, you see how things had changed in the churches, and now they were having to pray a little bit harder. They were having to fast a little bit harder. You know, Timothy had some problems with his with his stomach, and Paul comes and he, he didn't just say, Oh man, just go get in Peter's shadow, you know, and you'll get healed. No, he actually gave him a natural means of receiving uh, healing in his stomach. So there's the the, the power of God was poured out in the book of Acts, like if it's like a water spigot just turned wide open, like a fire hydrant. And today, maybe it's just a little trickle. But when it's like that, what you see changing that in Scripture is people that will begin to seek God and say, God, Why don't we see more of the power of God? What do we need to do? What do we need to change? How do we need to seek you in order to see you move like this in our life, in my family's life, in our church's life? And as that begins to stir up in people, God begins to move in their life. So it is available. You know, I've seen people healed in our church where people prayed for them they laid hands on them, they did the things you see in the book of Acts, and they didn't receive healing that way. But by faith, they chose to get out the Word of God and speak the Word of God over their life, day after day, month after month, praying, believing, speaking the Word of God, and get the healing that they're after. But that's a lot more work than Peter's shadow. Just so so a lot of people are not receiving it because it's it's different, but it still works. That's what I want you to understand. It still works can we get to a day does God have days in store where we can see the power of God the way that we saw it in the book of Acts I believe he does and even in my short lifetime I've seen the power of God poured out in churches in different decades and in different seasons in in more powerful ways than maybe what we're seeing right now But what I have learned is when you're in a law or a, a like a depression almost of it, the answer is not to make excuses for the reason that it's that way. The answer is to seek God and pray and repent and change and say, God, what is the the deal? What is the holdup? And even if the church at large will not choose to do that, there can always be a remnant and a small group of people that will pursue him and go after him and get everything that God has. And, and even in a church. If it ends up just being the youth. And I hope it's not that way. But if it ends up just being the youth that say, I don't know. I don't got all that junk in my mind. All that bad bad teaching. And all, all I know is God touched me at camp and I want more of it. If, if, if that's what ends up happening, don't mistake. God will move. God will move in our young people's lives and it it will completely change their future. It will change who they marry. It will change where they work. It will change what they do for a living. It will change every it'll change what they get into and what they don't in the next few years of their life. It will change every single thing about their future. But even to the youth, I want to I want to encourage you with this. Listen, don't don't think that just because you received this at camp that oh it's just a done deal like now now I can just go on cruise control listen this is something that you have to fight for let me tell you that the reason why my life changed when I was 15 years old yes it yes it was because of an encounter that I had at camp But listen there, there were a lot of kids that had an encounter at camp that did not stay on that path the reason my life changed at 15 was because when I had that encounter then I began to get up and pray every morning, going there forward. And as I would spend time with God, and I would read my Bible, and I would pray, what God did in me was solidified. And, and, it, and that fellowship with God on a daily basis, so I, so I used the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fuel my prayer life. Because it's hard to get up and pray when you don't have any emotion, you don't have any fire, you're feeling like a dead, dry Christian, it's hard to get up and pray. But when you have the infilling of the Holy Spirit and that fire and that passion for God is there, you use that fire and that passion to fuel your prayer life. And while that's going, God will teach you how to pray. He will teach you how to read His Word. He will teach you how to fellowship with Him. And if you can get that in your life, it will guide you, lead you, and direct you the the rest of your life and that's available to every one of us